Welcome to the Metro Detroit Christian Church Podcast. Up next, you will hear a message delivered by one of our pastors or guest speakers. We pray that you encounter Jesus Christ as you engage with this message. Well, two members of the Ecclesia have gone home with Jesus in the last two weeks, my mother and Sally Henry, and can't believe Jeremy and Katie are here. Where are you guys? You guys, your, your comments, reflections at your mother's memorial service was profound. Like you were preaching, you were building up the body while you were grieving and sharing memories of your mother all, all at the same time. I'm really proud of you guys, we love you. But, yeah. So um, I want to start out with a verse. The Lord spoke, has spoken this verse to me several weeks ago, and he's, he keeps repeating this verse, and I've been waiting to preach on it. And I've, I've, just, I've just known that he wants to speak out of this verse. And if you look on the screen, it's Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. Let's read it together. And God put all things under Jesus' feet, and gave him to be head over all things to the assembly, the ecclesia, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So, <clears throat> God put all things under Jesus' feet. Everything. We just experienced an outpouring from the right hand of God because every outpouring of the Holy Spirit originates someplace. It originates at the right hand of God. And the Spirit is poured out in confirmation of what has taken place at the right hand of God. The Spirit is a demonstration, a manifestation, a communication of what the Father and Son what the Father has declared. And God, it says in this passage, has put all things, everything, all things in the universe, in every realm, visible and invisible. It's all subjected. The term under his feet means he has conquered, subdued, and now rules them. So anything in defiance, rebellion, anything outside the authority of God where it has its own independent ideas, will, or agenda, God has gone forth and subdued, conquered those forces, subdued them, and now he rules them. Everything and everyone is serving Christ. The devil is serving Christ. Everything is in subjection to him. Now, we need to really lay hold of this. We need to get an understanding of this. This was foreshadowed in the life of David, King David. Let's look at this psalm, some five or six verses from this psalm. These same verses appear in Psalm 60, so it appears twice in the book of Psalms. That means the Holy Spirit especially likes these verses because he wanted to repeat them twice. So... <clears throat> David 
David wrote this psalm, and as he's writing this psalm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not quoting the, the, original, the first six verses, but in verse seven, he just stops, and he says, God has spoken in his holiness. He starts getting a prophetic word. He's writing a psalm by the Holy Spirit, and in the midst of that, the Holy Spirit's inspired. He now, his ears are open to hear the direct voice of God, and he stops writing this psalm in the first person as himself and starts speaking the first person of God. God is speaking. And here's what God said. God has spoken in his holiness. I will rejoice. So God's rejoicing. I will divide Shechem and measure out the valley of Sukkoth. Now, okay, we need some geography lessons. It would be helpful. So let's say this is Israel. This may not be work well. I don't know. I'm not good at this. My wife's the great one with analogies, you know. Okay, so Israel over here. And right down Israel, right down the center of Israel is the Jordan River. And, and on the east side of the Jordan, there is territory that Israel has. And that is um, talked about in the next verse, Gilead is mine and Manasseh is mine. See that? Gilead and Manasseh are two tribes. They have their geographic territory on the east side of the Jordan. And then he says, <clears throat> um, Ephraim also is the helmet of my head. Judah is my logger. So Ephraim and Judah are on the west side of the Jordan. Well, these cities, Shechem and Sukkoth, are two cities, one's on the west side and one's on the east side. So there's a message here. God is talking about his, the territory of Israel is on both the east side and the west side of the Jordan River. God is speaking. He says, listen, I, I conquered the east side of the Jordan and gave it to my people. I conquered the west side of the Jordan and gave it to my people. And so now these tribes are a manifestation of me. Gilead is mine. This region on the east side of Galilee, this state, this territory, it's mine. Gilead is mine. Manasseh is mine. Ephraim is the helmet for my head. This is fascinating. God puts on a region as a helmet. And then Judah, that whole territory of Judah, is his lawgiver. It's the territory out of which his law is going to go forth. God likes geography. Not just to look at it, but to put it on. He wears it. Now, in the book of Genesis, God spoke to Abraham and promised that he would give some territory to Abraham and his descendants. And God defined in Genesis, I think it's 15.8, don't quote me on that, but he defines it that the territory will be from the river of Egypt on the west side and the river, the Euphrates River on the east side. The river of Egypt and the river Euphrates. 
So at this time, under King David, they didn't have that whole territory. They had a portion of it. A very, a, a, the portion they had was, looks very similar to what Israel currently has. But there was this whole region going all the way over uh, uh, into the Sinai Peninsula and over into Africa that was allocated to Israel by God. And then there was this whole other region to the east that was belonged to them, but they hadn't conquered that yet. Joshua hadn't taken those territories. King David was like gripped. He says, I want to get all the ground that was promised to us. And so God is working prophetically through David, and he starts saying, Moab is my wash pot. Moab is one of the regions on the east side of, the, of Israel, on the east side of the Jordan, that doesn't yet belong to Israel. And God is saying prophetically in this song, in this worship song, God's saying, that's my wash pot. Over Philistia, I will triumph. Over Edom, I'll cast my shoe. That's the word of the Lord. David then says, who will bring me into the strong city, the capital of Edom? Who will lead me to Edom? The capital of Edom was a city called Petra, and it was this, this incredibly um, strong um, city built in, in um, a, a, a basically a, 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 a mountain of rock, a cliff of rock. It's just solid rock. It's, it's territory. There would almost be no way any army could invade and take that territory. And David's realizing, we don't have that. It's, it's a, he says, I'm happy to have all the region we have now, but I need some help to get to the capital of Edom. Yeah. Edom is, represents the flesh. Yeah. It's, these are the descendants of Esau. These are the people who sold their inheritance for a meal. These are the people who just let go of a spiritual inheritance for a temporary indulgence of their sexuality or food or entertainment. And there's, it's a stronghold. And David says, Who, who's going to help me here? Is it not you, O God? Give us help from trouble, for the help of man is useless. This territory of Edom, this stronghold of Edom, represents the strongholds of our culture. And the help of man, conservatism, is useless. Give us help, God. But through God, we will do valiantly. For it is he who shall, shall tread down our enemies. So God, through David and through Israel at that time, literally conquered all the enemies of Israel. And by the end of David's life, there was peace. And they had the whole territory. And David was able to give that whole region over to his son, to Solomon. That's a picture. That's a picture of what God is doing through Christ. God has said, I'm giving you some territory. 
The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Sit down, I put everything under your feet. Is, do we see everything under his feet? Not yet. But we see Jesus, and, and God is going to give Christ every territory that he's promised him. Just like David took the region that God promised Abraham, the spirit through the ecclesia and through the return of Christ is going to give Christ the territory that's been promised to him. Look at this passage in 2 Samuel 8, 1 to 8. After this came to pass that David attacked the Philistines and subdued them. Then he defeated Moab. You know why he defeated Moab? Because God said, Moab is my wash pot. <laughs> Listen, prophecy, you need prophecy. We need to hear God. We need to be in the move of God because our help is useless. Our activity is useless. But with God, we can tread down the enemy. He defeated Moab, forcing them to the ground. He measured them off with a line. With two lines, he measured off those to be put to death, and with one full line, those to be kept alive. This, <laughs> this is King David. This is a, a picture of the Son of Man. You know, I was listening to the Lord today, and one of the things he said to me, he said, I felt like he said, he said, I grow tired of the way people perceive me. He's wanting to burst out of the sentimental religious box the church has had him in. He wants to be like David. He is the descendant of David. He's the son of David. In fact, Scripture says, and I can point, I can show you the actual Scripture. I won't take the time. It was actually Christ in his pre-incarnate form that made David what he was. So this, this thing right here, that's Christ. So the Moabites became David's servants and brought tribute David also defeated Hadadezer, the son of Rehob, king of Zobah. It's a woo-wah, woo-wah. I feel a ungawa. I had a dream. <laughs> you don't want to hear it? I did that in my dream a, a couple nights ago. <laughs> I have a journal. Maybe I'll tell you about it next week. I, I just remember one scene. I took like a, a vine and was swinging out over a cliff and saying, Ungawa, Ungawa! <laughs> That's what this verse reminds me of. <laughs> David defeated Hadadezer, the son of Rehob's king of Zobath as he went to recover his territory at the river Euphrates. See, so he's going all the way to the eastern territory. David took with him 1,000 chariots, 700 horsemen, and 20,000 foot soldiers. This is a foreshadowing of the myriad of angels that are with the ecclesia. 
David hamstrung all the chariot horses. Come on, this is like R-rated. <laughs> this is, you know, don't let your kids read the Bible because of violent content. Then David killed 22,000 of the Syrians, and the Syrians became David's servants and brought tribute. So the Lord preserved David wherever he went. And David took the shields of gold that had belonged to the servants of Hadadezar and brought them to Jerusalem. Also, King David took a large amount of bronze. That's a lot. David as a king and Israel as a people were taking on the word dimension. God has spoken in his holiness. Back to that verse in Psalms number three. I will rejoice. God's saying this. I'll divide. So God is rejoicing. God is dividing. God is owning. God is putting on Ephraim as a helmet and Judah as a lawgiver. Moab was his washpot and Edom he cast his shoe. This is the word of God. This is God speaking. And David and the people of Israel took on the word of God. They became an expression of the word of God. And all of that, according to the scriptures, is foreshadowing and picturing a people at the end of the age that will be built on the foundation of the apostles and the word of God. They're going to start taking, the word will be the foundation of our personalities. It'll be the foundation of our assemblies. We will take on the word of God. This is a picture. These passages in, in Psalms and in 2 Samuel, they're a picture of what God has said to Jesus when he said, sit here until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. So look at this verse in Hebrews eleven twelve. 12. It says, let's read it together. But this man, he had one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God, from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. Okay, so all of this that I'm talking about right now is, is commentary. On, and God put all things under Jesus' feet. All right, we're just, I'm trying to get us, God, God put all things under Jesus' feet. Let's, let's unpack that. Now, I'm, I'm sharing this, I'm preaching this, because you need it, and I need it. We need the secrets that were inside the Apostle Paul, and that were inside Christ, the structures of thinking that were in these men that enabled them to be the instruments of power that they were. You know, Jesus said clearly to the disciples, I, I am unveiling the mysteries, the secrets of the kingdom of heaven hidden from the foundations of the world. And now, with my words, these secrets are opening up, and they can be your life, Peter, your life, James, your life, John, your life, Thaddeus, your life, Bartholomew. That's why I'm preaching. You need some secrets 
opened up to you, not just into your head. You need these secrets to become your subconscious worldview. And if these things, this word becomes your grid for life, you will be an instrument through which God can move powerfully. That's why I'm preaching today. Why are you here today? That? (laughs) It's a good question to ask yourself. Why am I here? If you, <laughs> it's a good question to ask because it, it will bounce you out of, it'll cause you to realize why you're here and realize I need to have a different reason. <laughs> okay. This man, after he suffered, are we in Hebrews 11 still? It's 10. This is 10. I, I, I was just seeing if you knew your Bible. This is 10, 12. And I sent 11, 12. Sorry, guys. This man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, he sat down at the right hand of God. And from that time, he was waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. This is, I see here, phases. Let's go to the next screen. So Christ has gone through phases in his existence. Phase one of Christ's existence was an eternal phase and state called the Word of God. Before he took on flesh, he was the Word of God. He existed forever. He was not created. He was God. And he was the person of God that was the expression and communication of God the Father. God the Son was the communication, the outraying, the expression of God the Father, eternal state. Then in the miracle of the incarnation, he underwent this, this metamorphosis, this transition from being the eternal word of God to now God by his power, by his word, and by his spirit. He somehow encapsulated the second person of the Trinity in his word and in, by his spirit, and he injected that into an egg of a woman. What a metamorphosis from that eternal state to now in a human egg. And the word began taking on, multiplying one egg after another, um, one cell after another after another, until we have a baby who's the word of God. And the baby was born of a virgin. And then that baby boy grew up to be a man. And that man was God in the flesh who took on a human body. And the purpose of his existence in the flesh was, according to the verse we just read, let's go back to Hebrews 10, verse 12. But this man, see the man? That's the word made flesh state, phase. This man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, forever sat down at the right hand of God. So the word made flesh culminates the purpose he was made flesh was to give his flesh to be a sacrifice that abolishes sin in the created order that was the purpose he took on a body was to whatever adam let in through his body 
gets closed down through Christ's body. And then in Christ's resurrection, he got a new, he got a new state. That's phase three, which we'll talk about in a minute. He opened up a new existence, an age of righteousness. In the death of Christ, he closed down the age of sin. That was let in through the body of Adam. He took on flesh for that purpose. Hebrews 1 says when he, he, he was the express per manifestation of God and when he had by himself purged our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty. So the word made flesh culminates with his death his burial, his resurrection, and his ascension. And as his ascension, God says, sit down at my right hand. And of course, is Hebrews 10 up still there still? Hebrews 10, 12, let's put that one back up. What's happening now that he sat down at the right hand? Waiting. So let's go back to the screen with the phases. We're now in phase three, the waiting phase. Isn't that exciting? <laughs> it's, a, it's very clear. From that time forward, waiting. He's been waiting for 2,020-some years. Christ is a man. And he's been in a 2,020-some year waiting phase. What's he waiting for according to Hebrews 10.12? Flip back to Hebrews 10.12. What's he waiting for? Yes. He's waiting to get his territory all the way to the Euphrates and all the way to Egypt. He's waiting for all the peoples of the East and all the peoples of the West to come to the ecclesia and sit down and have a meal with the patriarchs. That's what he says in Matthew 8. I love this. You need this worldview. You need, you need to think differently than the way you're thinking right now. It's your stinking thinking that's giving you the life you have. We need an upgrade in our thinking so we can have a better life, a more powerful life. If we keep thinking the way we're thinking, we're going to get the same results we're getting. And we're getting some okay results. Right? I'm happy with some of our results, but hey, there, we got a lot more results to get. So we need to change our thinking. So this waiting phase, he's waiting for his enemies to be made his footstool. He's waiting for them to be subjected to him. Subdued. Now, back to the phases. Okay, so we have phase one, word of God. Phase two, the word made flesh. The word takes on a body. Phase three is waiting. And then phase four is the son of man ruling on earth. This is the final phase. So when Jesus died, he went through a major metamorphosis. 
a major transition. He goes into the tomb. He's dead. He had, he had a body like yours and mine that could be killed. It, it was subject to death. It was mortal. He had a mortal body. And once he took sin into his body and, and, and bore the punishment of death for our sins and, and then cleansed sin in the body, he goes into the grave, and, and then when the Father raises him up from the dead, he's, he's a new species. He has an immortal, you can't kill this body. You can, you can take it, you can, and, and yet it's very tangible, very substantive. You can, you can touch the wounds in his side. You can touch the scar. And yet, it's very substantive, and yet he could walk through that brick wall. And he can eat fish. <laughs> what, that's a metamorphosis. That's the, he, he, was, he was, Jesus was longing for that. He, he was looking forward to that day to take on that state. Because that's the beginning of the next, that's, 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 that's the first part of going through the waiting stage, which will culminate in his return in that state to the earth. Jesus was always looking, waiting, longing for, seeing the Son of Man. He always referred to himself as the Son of Man. 78 times. He liked talking about himself as the son of man. He talked about himself as the Christ 11 times. The son of God six times. You would think if he was the son of God, he would say, I'm the son of God. But he preferred to say, I'm the son of man. What's going on with him? We've been preaching about it for three months, and we're just scratch. We're just, we're just kind of going, Huh? We're just waking up. I'm just waking up. What is this son of man thing? Look at this passage. From that time, Matthew 16, 21, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and raised the third day. From that time, from the time he talks about the ecclesia, this, this body he's building on the earth. Now, I got to die, and then a few verses later, he just, you, you, he just can't, can't stop talking about the Son of Man. For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. So he pops from, okay, he's with Peter and James and all the guys and says, hey, Peter, you know, you've had a great revelation of who I am. He's, he starts out says, Peter, who, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? <laughs> That's like me, me coming to you and say, who do people say that I, Peter Daniel Dresser, am? I'm Peter Daniel Dresser. 
That's what Jesus is saying. Who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And Peter goes, well, some say you're Jeremiah, you're John the Baptist, and, you know, he goes, well, who do you say that I am? Well, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. He got two of the terms. Yes, I am the Christ. I am the son of the living God. But you don't get me as the son of man yet. So he says, but okay, it's okay. I'm going to keep working with you. He's going to keep working with you. How many of you kind of hear, you hear the word son of man? Be honest. And you go like, huh? Yeah, we're still in process. It's not hit. It's not hit there yet. We're getting there. So he says, okay, your, your revelation is amazing. It's right. It's from God. And on this process of revelation that you're undergoing, I'm going to build the, the, the most incredible group of people the world has ever seen. I'm going to build a movement of people that no other human on the earth can build called the ecclesia. And anything the devil does on the planet, nothing will prevail against what I'm building. Now, this is amazing. Now I've got to tell, I'm going to die. And then as I go through death, I can't wait to come back again as the son of man. (laughs) Assuredly, I say to you, where the son of man will come in the glory of his father with his angels and he'll reward each according to the earth. He jumps from his death in 33 AD to some point he doesn't know. He still doesn't know. He still doesn't know. Only the Father knows. That's the one secret God's withheld from his son. Is the moment where he's going to say, it's time. He jumps from dying to some point in the 21st century, possibly, where the Father says, now. And he comes on the clouds in the glory of the Father and the glory of his holy angels. And he does on the earth by the power of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that's being poured out on us. He's going to finish and fulfill the destruction of Satan on the earth. He can't wait for it. He's waiting for that. He's sitting down waiting. Is this the day, Father? Nope. Okay, what are we doing now to prepare a people for that day? Is this the day? Not yet. Okay, what are we, what are we doing today, Father? To pour out a foretaste of that. To get a people ready for that. He, he, goes, uh, he, so he goes from death. Do you see the death to the end of the age? It's in, in, in like the next breath. Do you see that? Is it clear? Okay. 
Then the next verse, assuredly I say to you, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And then the next verse says, six days later, Jesus takes the disciples up on the mountain and he shines in the glory of his Father and the holy angels. They see a foretaste. They see a, a down payment of the second coming. They see the Son of Man in six days from when he said that. Son of Man. What does he mean by Son of Man? Let's look at this passage. Are you with me? I had this thing in my side of me this morning. I said, I feel this is one of the most important sermons I've preached Of course, I always feel that way. <laughs> he answered and said to them, he who sows the good seed is what? What was inside Jesus when he said son of man? We need the secrets. We need to be inside this man's head. Because what's inside this man's head needs to get inside our head. Whatever is in your head right now needs to move out of the way for the mind of Christ. He's in this parable, the explanation of this parable, he's telling us the secrets hidden from the foundations of the world that are now being revealed through him. That's what's in his mind, these secrets. And he's openly telling them. What does he say? He who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age. And the reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of this age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will what? The son, verse 41, let's say the verse 41 together. Let's read 42 together. And we'll cast them. You guys are just, you just want permission. So it's like, some people, can I say it? Oh, he hasn't said we could say it, so we can't say it. It's like, it's all, it's a little reveal right here. It's wonderful. This is what's in his head. He says, I've, I must go to the cross. 
from this time forward, from the time I'm talking about building something here in West Bloomfield, in the southeastern part of Michigan, I said, I'm going to build something amazing now. I've got to, I must get to Jerusalem and go through this process of purifying people from sin so I can come in this new state and I can't wait until the Father says it's time to come back right here and set up a throne in Jerusalem and change the nations, change the way everything functions from top to bottom. It's what's, it's what's in him. The son of man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through the cross so I can go through that phase and enter into that next phase. And he realizes that phase is, is twofold. It's a phase of waiting and then the phase of coming. And God put all things under Jesus. Let's look at the next verse. And God gave him to be head over all things to the, the ecclesia, which is his body. The Greek there is the word ecclesia. It's translated in, in the original English versions of the Bible. It's translated assembly or congregation. It's a group of people. Ecclesia means called out ones. They're hearing the voice of God in a region. And they're called into an assembly. God gave him, Christ, to be head over everything to that assembly. He's put everything into subjection under his feet and has given him who is higher than all as the head of the assembly. Another translation says God appointed him as supreme and authoritative head over all things in the ecclesia. Is it hot in here? No? Okay. God's word translation. God has put everything under the control of Christ. He's made Christ the head over everything for the good of the assembly. God put all things under Christ's feet and gave him, to, gave him to the assembly. So God has given Christ, who is the head over everything, invisible and visible. He's given him as a gift. He's appointed him, and he's made him this. He's a gift, he's an appointed, and he's made and he's given to the assembly. He is in the assembly for the good of the assembly. The supreme government of God through Christ over all things is held in place and expressed through, is secured on the earth in Christ's body, the assembly. Without the assembly, without us, without the body, the supreme government of God is suspended in the heavens. It's hanging out there. It's waiting. With the assembly functioning 
properly. With the assembly operating according to heaven's pattern, there's a securing of the connection between the head of all things and a government established on the earth. Peter says this in Acts 2, 33 to 36. Being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he says himself, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. So, the waiting phase is the age of the ecclesia, the assembly, the body, the time of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the waiting phase. We have Christ, the word of God. We have Christ taking on flesh. Now we have him waiting till his enemies are made a footstool for his feet in, 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 in looking toward the Son of Man returning. In that waiting phase is the season of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit onto the ecclesia. The waiting phase is the age of the ecclesia. The waiting phase is not a passive state where nothing's being built, nothing's happening. It's the age, it's the season that Christ is building a people on the earth in preparation for his coming as the son of man. The waiting phase is the age of the ecclesia. It's the time for the assembly, the body. Because when the assembly is functioning properly, the body is getting built up. As it's getting built up, that government that's in the heaven over everything visible and invisible is there beginning to find connection. That government is beginning to come down as the body comes up. If the body quits coming up, the government's going to stop coming down because the government is connected to the body. The ecclesia is the body. They're not two different things. And Peter says the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, this is a sneak preview phase of the Son of Man coming and ruling phase. The Holy Spirit comes from the right hand of God. Say, Be exalted to the right hand of God, and having received, Jesus was exalted to the right hand of God. What did he receive? The promise of the Holy Spirit. And he poured out this, which you now see in here. So he poured out the Holy Spirit. For David didn't ascend to the heavens, but he says himself, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know surely that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, Lord and Christ. He's Jesus, Lord Christ. He's man, he's Jehovah, and he's the coming king that's going to change all the nations. 
He's the Lord Jesus Christ. He's at the right hand of God. He has gotten a promise from God. And right hand of God dynamics are poured out from that place onto rooms, onto assemblies of people who are hearing the Lord and they're leaving their natural life, their their life in the world to come together to receive another outpouring of that. It's a sneak preview. How many of you ever seen a trailer for a movie, and it's a 30-second trailer? And then you come back and see another place, oh, here's a a one-minute trailer. And then you see another place, oh, here's a five-minute trailer. Well, we are in, I believe we are in the lengthening of the trailers, the outpouring of the Spirit. We just had an outpouring of the Spirit today. That was sovereign. It came right from the right hand of God. The trailers are getting, we're having sneak previews, and they're getting longer. We're beyond the 30 seconds phase, guys. We're beyond the 30-second trailers. We're in the maybe 5, 10, 15, 20, one-hour trailer of, of this final appearing when the Son of Man will send out his angels and remove all things that offend and all who practice lawlessness, all things and all people. Those have already been subjected to him. And now he's pouring out the spirit to give us trailers, to let us see a foretaste, a movie. Oh, I'm telling you, don't miss next week. Don't miss a month from now because who knows how the Lord's going to extend the trailer and show another element, another aspect The outpouring of the Holy Spirit is a reenactment, a foreshadow, a down payment of the age of the Son of Man ruling on earth. And it comes to the ecclesia. The assembly is Christ's body. We are Christ's body. That's why how we relate to one, how we function is imperative how we function will determine whether we rise and that government gets closer to us or we'll start shrinking and the government will remain suspended and christ will just wait another hundred years so the apostle paul just takes great effort to instruct people on how to do the assembly, how to do discipleship groups, how to live together. This is the way Christ relates to the assembly. Ephesians 5, 25 to 32. Christ, let's read it. Christ loved the assembly and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious assembly not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. No one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the assembly. For we are members of his body, of his flesh and of his bones. This is a great mystery, Christ and the assembly. So this is how Christ is dealing with us. 
Why? Why is he being so tender, so patient, so long-suffering? Why is he sending his word to nurture, sanctify, and cleanse us? Because he wants to build us up so he can come back with his government. We can meet him in the air. He is, he gave himself. He entered into the cross for us that he might sanctify us, cleanse us by his word. Remove every spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Nourishing, cherishing us. Because we're members of his body, of his flesh and of his bones. We're connected to him in heaven. So this is how Christ is dealing with the assembly and Paul makes it very clear that as we mature, say as I mature, mature. I'm going to start taking on the characteristics of Christ and how he relates to the assembly. We'll never have the government. We'll never have the power of God driving out demons and changing the way our state government functions unless we grow in our relationship with each other. This is what it says in Colossians 1, 24 to 26. Paul's an apostle. He's the model for every member. Apostles are models for people. How do they live? I now rejoice in my sufferings for you. And I fill up in my flesh what's lacking in the afflictions of Christ. This is incredible. Christ's wounds were not enough. His death on the cross was not enough. I'm filling up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ. Someone's got to carry the power, the it's enough, (laughs) it was enough, but somebody's got to carry it in service of others. If someone doesn't carry that sacrifice for the building up the ecclesia, it's not enough. It's not enough that Christ died. It's not enough. Paul says, I'm filling up in my flesh what's lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body. How many of you want to grow up? Well, you need to start filling up something. We need to fill something up in our lives. What's lacking in his afflictions? We need to carry the power of his afflictions. Has Christ conquered sin? Has has Christ destroyed the devil in a body? Someone's got to carry that. And we carry it in relationship one with another. Paul says, I carry this for the sake of the body, which is the assembly of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which he's given to me for you to fulfill. It should be fulfill, not full. To fulfill the word of God. Incredible. The mystery, which has been hidden from ages and generations, but now has been revealed to the saints. Wow. Wow.
we have an apostle filling up what's lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of the body, to see the body built up, to see you built up, to see me built up, to see me and you come into more of the power of Christ's word and his spirit and his cross, his death, his resurrection. Somebody is laboring to see others come into it. Somebody won't tolerate a religious conceptual dynamic. Somebody's going to just say, no, we're going to have power. We're going to have power again this week. We're going to have it next week. Somebody is looking out for his, his or her family and say, no, we're not going to have religion in my home. We're going to have power. I'm going to labor. I'm going to fill up in my afflictions until the, what Christ suffered for is manifesting in power and changing my children. I don't know about you, but raising children is not easy. Some of the strongholds in children's lives and young people's lives, are, are they don't just change like that. I don't know about you, but Pastor Lisa and I have prayed over some issues for our children for since they were born, and we still pray for them. Don't stop praying for your children. Fill up in your flesh what's lacking in Christ's afflictions until that power really goes in and changes their nature. Don't give up. Until the demonic leaves. Somebody's got to fill it up. Somebody's got to say, I'm, I'm not letting go of this real power of Christ's death until it's working, working, working. Spontaneously, by itself, it's working in another person. It's not there because I am having to make it work. It's working. I'm telling you, some of you need to rise up today in an apostolic spirit. We're tolerating. We're tolerating nice children. That is not acceptable to the Lord. Fine children who have, you know, healthy psyche, good incomes, Raising their children well, that's good. That's part of the package. But that's not enough for the Lord. What the Lord wants are sons of the kingdom. Children, young people, adult children who are carrying the power of the kingdom of God. And what's, what Christ died for is working. Working in their life. Changing them. Putting to death what is displeasing to God and raising up what is righteous in God's eyes and sending them into culture with real power and authority. Somebody's got to fill it up. You can't sit and tolerate even good. If we tolerate the good, we'll become a religious institution. Paul, Paul is just, he's like, Paul is working in the spirit of Christ. He's working in the spirit of Christ. Christ is working through Paul to nurture and cherish and any blemish, any spot, any wrinkle. I'm telling you, we all got lots of spots and wrinkles. My spots keep getting bigger. Christ is, wants to cleanse us of those. All of them. 
I'm here to prophesy in Jesus' name whatever wrinkle you have in your character, whatever spot, whatever blemish is in the way you're thinking Christ is nurturing and cherishing and caring for you, disciplining you. He's sending the word and the spirit from his very bones and from his flesh. What he went when he metamorphosized through death, burial, and resurrection, he did it for the assembly to send something that he won through that process so that you can go through the process and you can win, you can be righteous. It's impossible for you and I to be righteous unless Christ sends his word and his spirit into the assembly. Paul said, I'm filling this up in my flesh. Working with all the power of Christ. And then Paul then begins teaching, teaching the ecclesia how they are to live one with another. Here's what he says in Colossians 3. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, Meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against one another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your heart, to which also you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So in this passage, we are given the divine template of the way the body functions. This is Jesus. This is Jesus securing his body, his assembly on earth. This secures a rising of the ecclesia that can bring down the government of the Son of Man. Without this lifestyle, the government will not descend. So what do we have here? I see four I'm just as a shaper contemplator's dream today. I see four, four things in this passage that the ecclesia must have. The more our lives are integrated with Christ, the more we relate to the body as he does. Repeat this after me. The more my life, more my life integrates, with Christ, integrates with Christ, the more I will relate to the body as he, does. as he does. See, in Christ's mind, in Christ's heart, the holding together of the body is of paramount importance to him as the head, to see his body built up. So we have a pattern here given in the scripture. We need an elect identity. Without these things, no government, no 
no release of final, the final release of power that's going to get the job done. We need an elect identity, holy and beloved. As the elect of God, holy and beloved, this is you and I having a personal identity and the wells of salvation being continually filled. Do you know, one of the reasons we had the encounter we had today is Jesus visited Pastor Grandy. Jesus showed up in his home and began giving him one of the most profound encounters he's had in years. Touching him deeply in his very, the deepest parts of him. What's, what's happening there? Jesus is saying, you're elect. You're chosen, you're holy, you're beloved to me. Listen, we need our personal wells of salvation filled up by Christ. Before we are an assembly, we are individuals. I just speak a refreshing from the Lord. Pastor Grandy, would you be willing to just pray with me right now and, and give away how the Lord just visited you? Give it away to these elect, holy, and beloved. You need your personal wells of salvation filled up regularly. Being elect is like, oh, it's crazy. The royal, regal identity that is. Go ahead, Pastor Grandy. Thank you, Jesus. You know us. You know us who we are. You know our wells. You know what kind of filling they need. Yes, Lord. And you are acting. You're acting upon us. Touch each heart right now. Break every religious approach to being filled by Jesus yeah. and be filled yeah. by Jesus. Yeah. Reach out. You, cry out. Yes, Lord. Get an encounter. Just take it to yourself. I give it to you right now. I release it to you right now. Take it by faith. He loves you. He wants to fill you. He sees you in your place. He sees you in your home. He sees you in your tent. And he says, I have supply. I have supply bursting from my heart. Every well be filled by the Holy Spirit today. Every well. Take off the caps. Take off the caps and fill the wells, Lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone just took an action right there. And right then and there, you received something deep from the Lord. The Lord's going deep this morning. Thank you, God. Just release a transfer to you. A transfer to you. A transfer to you from God the Father to your spirit for something that can overflow into your spheres. That you can feed the body of Christ with your own encounter. That you can feed the body of Christ from your well. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. You're maturing us. 
Thank you that you're maturing us to a people who can give themselves for the body. Not in a religious way, but out of our own encounter, out of our own experience of God pressing on us, the weight of God pushing us down. Lord, invade people in their beds. In their beds. They're just waking up in the morning. Come on right in at that time. I invite you, Lord. I invite you, Holy Spirit, to our awakening. Just whenever we wake up from our sleep in the morning, you be right there. Holy Spirit, come. Right in those times. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday again. Every morning, the Spirit coming in power. Cause us to tear up inside. Cause us to shake and tremble at the power of your presence among us, God. We need this. I cry out for it. I cry out for it, God. Give it to me again. Give it to me again and again and again, Lord. Give it to us. We must have this. out of this elect identity, being ministered to by Christ, holiness, belovedness, comes a supernatural heart that's in constant initiation and response to relationships in the body. We'll never rise up, we'll never get the government without tender hearts, tender mercy, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. And if anyone has a complaint against anyone, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. And above all these things, put on love, which is the bond, the thing that's going to hold us to a maturing process. Perfection. Out of an elect identity comes a supernatural heart in constant initiation. Say initiation. Initiation. And response. It's not just responding to others. It's initiating. Put your hand on your heart. Say, Lord, make me an initiator. Initiating kindness. Initiating meekness initiating long-suffering, initiating forgiveness. Out of an elect identity and a supernatural heart comes the word dimension being expressed from your mouth, teaching, admonishing one another. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing David's psalms. Sing Pastor Grandy's songs. And sing the spontaneous songs the Holy Spirit gives you. That's the pattern. Word has to come out. In the name of Jesus, I see this boulder rolling out of heaven. And it's coming down into this assembly and into you. It's called 
the Word of God. And the Word of God is entering into your heart and it's breaking hardness of heart. It's breaking the contemplative, observing, self-protective spirit that shuts you down, that keeps you silent, that causes you to have nothing to say. The Lord says, I see that sometimes you have nothing to say, and I'm rolling out of heaven with the Word of God to give you something to say, to give you something to sing. Roll down into our midst, Lord, with the word of Christ. Let it dwell richly within us. Lord, let these hours of worship that come from heaven be extended at times to an hour and a half and two hours. And let them come in our homes, Lord. The elect identity producing a supernatural heart in constant initiation of relationship, of kindness and meekness and patience and long suffering. I pray for the cords of long suffering to be placed in your heart, to stick with the body while it still has some blemishes, some spots and wrinkles that are being worked out by the Lord. You give up on the body, you give up on your inclusion in the kingdom of God. The kingdom, the head, is connected to an assembly. And this word dimension that lives strong amongst us with singing and teaching and sharing and admonishing. It results in a life of speech and action everywhere. These are the things that secure, they secure the assembly growing. These four things, a life of speech and action everywhere. This is a Christ-directed life in culture Doing everything in word or deed. All words and all actions, doing it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let every barrier to Christ manifesting in your life, every barrier in your mind be broken now in the name of Jesus. May you be released in word and deed. Monday through Saturday, in your family gatherings, in your friend circles, and by all means, in your employment, in your places of employment, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. In the presence of the Lord Jesus, Jesus likes to go to work with you. Jesus wants to fill up your personal wells of salvation while you're sitting in your office, while you're sitting at that cubicle, while you're doing whatever you do on work. Christ is there to help you do that thing in his name. All this takes place in the body, this life. That's why Paul is just watching over the process because he knows that the enemy wants to get in. He says in 2 Corinthians 2, 10 and 11, if you freely forgive anyone for anything, then I also forgive him. And if I've forgiven anything, I did so for you before the face of Christ. 
This is the apostolic otherly dimensions of the apostolic. Paul's presence, being with the assembly. And when they forgive each other, he forgives. And he's doing it in the presence of Christ. Lest Satan should take advantage of, exploit and overtake us. We are not ignorant of his devices. The enemy's strategies are to disconnect subtly or not so subtly. Disconnect us from being members of one another and members of Christ. It's to, the enemy's strategy is to disconnect us from the one thing that's holding God's government in place on the earth. Let me say this again. There's one thing holding God's government in place on the earth. It's the ecclesia, his body. And the enemy's strategies is to disconnect us from this amazing assembly he's building. He does it in many, many ways. People can be in a service every single week and still be disconnected. He does it through rejection. Our sense that others are to treat us according to some internal expectation that we have to meet our definition of acceptance and inclusion. That's called rejection. This is the problem. This is a problem not with others not treating you the way you want them to be. This is your problem with your elect identity. How many would like to let go of your rejection issues and take on an election identity. Lord, free us from all the ways we are looking to humans to affirm us, give us belonging. Our perceptions of others, our perceptions of their looks, their actions, Let me tell you, you don't know what's in another person's heart. You are not God. Apparently, I have a listening face that looks fierce and intimidating. That's what others often experience when deep in my heart, I have an intense desire to hear them and understand them. And somehow, my face communicates intimidation. They perceive something in me that shuts them down. When all I'm wanting in my heart is to open them up. How many of you don't, not about me. Don't even. How many of you can realize maybe you've judged somebody else by their looks, by their actions, by the way they said something to you, by the way they walked past you, by the way they didn't do this or didn't send that message? Or 
Don't be ignorant of the devil's schemes. We're in the battle of the ages here in the 21st century at the end of the age, the battle for the body. To see the body built up because the body is the fullness of him who fills all in all. We are being equalized with Christ. The body, the assembly, this place. We're intended by God, by Christ, to take on all the dimensions of who Christ is. As he is revealed, we are strengthened, expanded, and given greater capacity to conquer the territory. This is amazing. This, this passage is amazing. This passage also is communicating that we satisfy him as we grow up. He is filled up. We are the thing that fills him up. The one who fills all in all. And now we, his church, are his body on earth, and that which fills him, who is being filled by it. We are those who are filled completely by Christ, but we also completely fill him. We're taking on the inner workings of the Son of Man. We're taking on the desire of Christ. For him to return and drive out all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness. Only the Father knows the time. And the Son is waiting expectantly for this time. He's waiting for the fullness of the release of his power on the earth. We're looking for it too. We're taking on this disposition aggressively to build up the body to purify ourselves so we can inherit long trailers of the son of man coming to judge the earth the son of man coming in the glory of the father and his holy angels there is a Great apathy on the people of the United States of America as it concerns the ecclesia, the assembly, Christ's body. There is a great willingness to not build up the body that has settled upon family after 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 family. family. There have been 
hundreds of thousands of people who have run the race for 10, 20 years out of one move of the Holy Spirit and then grew settled in a lifestyle that was not about building up the body. May we never be that people. May there be a holy aggression right now released into your heart. May you be aware right now of the boundaries and borders that the enemy has placed in your heart that is keeping you distant from the body of Jesus Christ. I speak to those walls and I release the power of the Holy Spirit to convict you so those walls could be torn down. Somebody is ready to release, release this body. You're ready to release them from your rejection grid. That's your issue that comes from a lack of an elect identity. Somebody's ready to do that. You are ready. You are so exhausted You are so exhausted trying to figure out how you can get others to love you the way you want them to love you, and you're ready to give up and find all your love needs met in Christ. I just want to invite you to just stand up and throw your arms into the air and say, I am done with my rejection system Look at at these... Yes. Rejection, you leave now. That's leaving. It's leaving you. That spirit that came in at an early age, it's leaving your body. It has, it has wired your life. It has put you into multiple relationships to perpetuate its perspective in you and it's broken now in the name of Jesus. You are elect, Male. You are chosen. You are holy and you are beloved. Let the spirit that comes from the beloved come pouring into your heart right now. I'm telling you, rejection is fleeing at the name of Jesus. Spirits of racism that have perpetuated rejection. I bind you. I command you to leave people's bodies. The issue is not racism. The issue is a lack of an elect identity. And release that elect identity into the members of Christ's body. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Be filled with an elect identity. The Lord crowns you with glory now. You're crowned with glory. You don't need to look to another man to give you glory. Christ himself gives you glory. Walk exalted. Walk with your head held high. Walk as a king. Walk as a queen. You are the one that gives belonging to others. You don't wait for them to give belonging to you. You give belonging to others.
be done with rejection. The power of Christ is here right now to cause you to bring rejection under your feet. Bring it down out of your mind. Bring it down out of your heart. Put it under your feet. This enemy that is keeping the church from rising is being driven out of this house by the power of the word of Christ, the power of the age to come. When no longer will men war against one another, but they're going to turn their, their swords into plowshares. Be done with it. Shake it off of your mind. Shake it off of your heart. Shake it off of your body. Shake it off of your perspective. Give yourself no permission for rejection to enter into your mind or your perspective. It doesn't matter what anybody says or does or how they look at you or the tone of their voice. They can send you a letter that curses you in 10 pages, 10 pages of curse. And then the last sentence is, and I curse you to your last dying breath. They don't even give you one breath of blessing and it will mean nothing to you. How many want that kind of stature, that kind of, it means nothing to me. The only thing that matters is the voice of the beloved who died and rose again. Be free to receive all your love needs from Jesus himself. This is going to cause you to rise. Power is coming. Power is being hurled from heaven down in this assembly. Christ is your head. You don't need another person to be your covering. Christ is your covering. I'm telling you, he's putting his arms around you. He's sheltering you. He's taking you under his wings right now. Let's deal, let's deal a death blow to racism in southeastern Michigan and the state of Michigan. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we drive out this spirit. We drive out this spirit that's segmenting the body, the body, the ecclesia of Christ. Doesn't matter what color that person's skin and doesn't matter. Oh. I hear a horse galloping in the distance. I hear it. It's the Son of Man coming on a white horse. Stretch your hands toward this young man. Be free.
every way. Every way you looked out on the world is being changed by Christ right now. He's going all the way back. Oh, there's so much power of Christ. You're going through a metamorphosis right now, Ben. You are being transformed. Your eyes, your internal eyes are switching. You're no longer looking to others. And you're, you're, getting, you're given eyes for Christ. He's coming. He's coming. He's filling you. All those love needs are being met by Christ. You feel it? Feel it, Ben? There's a lot more for you. We release, Lord, this angelic presence of Christ to deal with all those demons, all those quiet, hidden demons. Nobody even knew they were there. Release this myriad of angels around you. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Stretch your hands toward your worship pastor. He's been given to you. You've been given to him. And everything that's made the ecclesia a performance, everything that's made it about some stage ministry, we're a people. We are a people. Oh. <laughs> You want better worship? Release your blessing toward this man. <laughs> Fill up every love need in this tank, Lord. Ah! <laughs> Woo! Some of us here didn't even know we had love needs. Who wants to raise your hand on that one? <laughs> out of touch, out of touch with the deep desires of your heart to be loved. It's too painful. <sighs> Lord, Lord's opening up your wells. You don't have to hide anymore. You don't have to self-protect anymore. You don't need to look to others anymore. Lord, go, go dig deep. Yes. Dig deep. Yes. I'm talking take the auger of your spirit and go really, 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 really deep into men's and women's psyches. 
All the shaper contemplators, doers, and dig deep, Lord. <laughs> I feel I feel power in my right shoulder. It's government. Government's getting closer. The right arm, the right shoulder is a sign of government. The go- as, our, as we're getting lifted up by the love of holy and beloved, the elect, by Christ himself, the government's getting closer. Thank you, Lord. I want more. I want more for you. I can't make it happen. I just want more. I just want, I want you to be inundated with love. It's the, it's the bond that holds us together and keeps us maturing. Do you want that for one another? Just do something. Release it like wave your arms around or something. Get love flowing in the room. <laughs> Get love flowing in our lives. Forgiveness, patience, long-suffering. Tolerant. Give everybody a break they don't deserve. Give yourself a break you don't deserve. Forgive yourself and forgive them. (laughs) Come on. We need a move of God for the whole state. Give us the undeserved, oh God. Give us what we don't deserve. Yeah. Your heart, your heart's so full. Pour it out. That grace, which is abounding toward us. We don't deserve it. We receive it. Give it. Give it. We are your elect. And so we ask. And we say, give, 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 give it to us. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Amazing. Thank you, Lord. How old is Jude? How old is Jude? 11 months. 10 months. Is that Jude right there? Unbelievable. Just standing there, just filled with the Holy Spirit, just clapping his hands in in rhythm with what's going on in the room. 10 months. Give us that kind of move, Lord, that none of the children would be blocked. None would be offended. Oh, we, we want that kind of move, guys. This is way beyond intellectualism. Ooh. Heal our hearts.
If you're a guest with us, Pastor John, Pastor Heather, Pastor Shelley, Pastor Ryan, Pastor Melissa, Pastor Grandy, come on up here. If you're a guest and you, after the service, you'd like to know more about what's going on here and how can you connect or relate in, or you just want to talk, I, these, these pastors will be here just to talk with you, but we just want to let you know you're welcome here if the Lord's drawing you. You're welcome. And, and, and talking with them is how you take a step forward. Lord, we thank you for the body you're building. We're in awe. You're remarkable. Only you can put the body together. Build us up. Thank you for these dear pastors. Pour out a blessing on them, Lord. A blessing they can't contain. That's it, body. Bless your pastors. Receive it. Karababa sate be sheke be 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 sheke Thank you, Lord. Waves of, of patience and long-suffering are coming down on us for all sorts of organizations and institutions in our state. The Lord says, be patient. Be patient. Let me break down dividing walls. We say, yes, Lord, whatever dividing walls exist between different organizations and institutions that you want to use as part of this connected ecclesia move throughout the state, we say, yes, Lord, we're taking our hands off of trying to bring correction. You bring the correction. Use us however you want to use us. Flood this state, Lord, with patience and long-suffering. Like, forgive, 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 forgive. Forgive some of those conservative leaders who have been insensitive. Just release them. Give them a gift they don't deserve. Wow, something is coming down so mightily. 
Yeah, in the name of Jesus. Yeah, be an instrument of this undeserved move in the state of Michigan. Change my listening face. Some of you need some faces changed too. How many want whatever your faces you have changed? Lord, change us. Change the way we relate. Change the way we relate. <laughs> Give us so much love, we start looking different. <laughs> Take all the fear out. Remove some of the lack of awareness that we have. Isn't this the best? It's the joy of the whole earth, the ecclesia. Who wouldn't want to be a member? Build your house, Lord. All over the state, build your house. Raise up apostles and prophets, Lord. Accelerate a move of raising up apostles and prophets. Yeah, time is too short. We need something bigger, better than ministry school, something different than the log cabin in the 1750s that fueled leaders for the Great Awakening. We need something different, Lord. Send power on the state of Michigan. Release days of power in 2023. Oh, Jesus. Wow. Wow. If you're under 25 and you want power, you want more power in your life, I just want you to run forward and get it because the Lord's about to pour out power on the next generation, the generation of those who seek. And pastors, you're on. You're on, pastors. I'm going to just say a closing prayer right now. Lord, thank you for your blessing on our life. We worship you. Let your blessing rest strong on the ecclesia, on every family, every person. 
Let it come from heaven and touch their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We hope that you enjoyed wrestling with the Word and the Spirit as you engaged with this message. For more information, please visit our website at www.metrodetroit.org. And have a great week.